Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I am excited once again for this Belief Cast today. I have an amazing guest on, a, a woman named Lindsay Terry. Thank you for joining us, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I met Lindsay uh, a few months ago, actually, at a Recovery One uh, conference that we were both attending. And I got to hear her story, and I thought, wow, man, I want, I want her to come share her amazing story. Um, I do have to give a little shout-out to our sponsor before we get into that, to uh, Veracity Networks. Thank you so much for all you do for me and believing in me. And then I also want to thank all the listeners. Thank you for all your support. It means the world to me. And, man, we're cranking. This, I think this is going to be episode 91, and we're just flying, and we've got some amazing people on, and Lindsay's going to be no different. A little background on Lindsay. She uh, she's been in recovery and she's been clean now for 18 years. And her birthday's coming up here on November 3rd, uh, her sobriety birthday. And um, I'm so proud to hear that of her. She uh, she's a mother of three children, and she's very passionate about yoga. And she we're going to get into that. And she's actually going to be opening her own studio soon called the Bendy Buddha. And I'm excited to hear more about that. She also knows sign language, and we were talking off the air that there's a really cool story behind that, so I can't wait to hear that. And she's just a very passionate person who loves to help other people. And I felt that when I first met you, Lindsay, that you know, you're just this, you know, you have this good energy about you, you glow, and you're really positive and kind. And and I, I felt that from the very first moment I met you. And and I just I'm just thankful that you're willing to come share your story with all of us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited and Good. nervous. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just call it excited. How's we'll that? We'll call it excited. <laughs> I'm stoked. <laughs> yes, there we go. Well, Lindsay, why don't you let our listeners know a little bit about you and kind of where you grew up and you know, a little bit about your childhood. Okay, so I grew up here in Salt Lake at the top of Emigration Canyon in a little log cabin. Really? Yeah, it was beautiful. And when I was younger, I hated the drive because it was so far away from all of my friends. Yeah, but now right. I can't wait to go back and visit mom and be in the mountains away from the city. And So your mom's still up there? My mom's still up oh, there. Oh, wow. That is so beautiful up there, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And just to be up there and have all the animals that come and bed down in the winter and all the hummingbirds in the summertime, it's, it's sweet. Yeah, I can imagine what a fun place that would have been growing up. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you have brothers and sisters? Or? Yeah, so I have had an older brother. He passed away in 2005. Oh, okay. I'm sorry to hear that. my sister is four years younger than me, and then I have a little sister that's 19. Okay. So, right couple. On. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so, um, so you grew up, you know, you're kind of a ways away from all your friends and this and that, which I, I get. You're like, I want to go play with some friends. Well, it's kind of a long drive to get you there, right? Yeah, it was, <laughs> and... I just spent a lot of time, you know, hiking up the hill that was our backyard, is our backyard, and right. just spending a lot of time connecting to nature, being in nature, exploring, Right. just being disconnected from the material world a lot as a child. Yeah, what a what a gift, right? Maybe you didn't notice it at the time, maybe so much. But Not at all. But now you look back on it going, wow, what a great great thing yeah what a good place to have my roots yeah for sure um so you know growing up tell us a little bit about that like what are some of the things that you were involved with and maybe some of the challenges and maybe some of the accomplishments that went on throughout your childhood um so I growing up up the canyon 
I didn't have a lot of time with friends, so I did spend a lot of time just up there in the mountains. And um, my brother was eight years older than me, so mm. he was definitely yeah. a challenge, sure. to say the least. <laughs> but um, down the canyon is Camp Costopolis, and they used to used to do a lot of work with the disabled community. It was a camp for disabled kids and adults. Okay. And so I started horseback riding down there when I was about nine. And when I was 11 to about 13, I was volunteering and teaching the handicapped kids and adults how to ride horses Oh, wow. a couple times a week. And so I would do that and just, it was sweet because I got to be with the animals and then I got to be with these humans that were genuinely present and so excited yeah. to just be there and alive and just connecting yeah now i know what the word present means but what how did you notice that within these you know these people you were helping that you noticed they were present what do you mean at by the that? age of 11 yeah <laughs> yeah right uh, because they would some of them couldn't speak so okay. some of them it was just watching them rest their chest on the horse as they rode it or okay. going up and and playing with the mane or the tail or just they would go and they would touch each other or they would touch rocks and trees and things and they you could tell that they weren't somewhere else you right. could tell that their minds were right here and i really i've always loved that right yeah so you know and be able to notice that at age 11 you know, and what a great thing to do it with uh, as a, such a young kid to be helping in that capacity. Yes. I mean, that had to have been really, because you know, usually kids that, I mean, I think of myself at that age, you know, I, I was just, you know, worried about me. I, I, I don't think I helped anybody, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you kind of followed your brother's lead. Is that kind of where that, or did you just do it kind of on your own? No, that was on my own. Okay. That was more to get away from my brother. Oh, it was more to get away. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was the brother that was like, nobody will mess with my little sisters, but me. Uh, okay. Yeah. So he, he, he teased and uh -huh. did his thing to you, tormented you at times, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> Right yeah. on. So how long did you do that? How long did you uh, were involved with helping these uh, handicapped people? So about two, two and a half summer, two and a half years. Okay. Um, always in the summer from spring, spring to fall because that's when it was warm enough to ride the horses. Okay. Yeah. And that's actually where my sign language began. So yeah, you, you said there's a great story around that. So I want to hear that. And, you know, I think sign language is amazing. And I, you know, I, when we first met, we had talked a little bit about that. You, that's what you do. And I was just actually really kind of, you know, not jealous, but I just thought, how cool, man. I'm so, you know, wish I could do that kind of stuff. And so talk about how that came all about and what, why you ended up doing that. Okay. So I, I met this little friend when I was volunteering up there. Um, he was a couple years younger than me. So I think it was when I was probably 12 and he was 10. And he really wanted to communicate with me, but he was deaf. And so every day after we would ride the horses, we would go down to the cafeteria because it was lunchtime and right. we would sit and he would teach me sign. So I've, I've known oh, really? the alphabet as long as I can remember. Okay. I don't know how old I was when I learned that, but he sat there with me and taught me enough to communicate with him so that we could connect and talk and spend time together. And it was really fun. Yeah, I bet you, did you see excitement in him knowing that you were willing to learn this stuff with him? So much excitement. Yeah. And there was, so after, 
you know, doing that summer and, and seeing him every, you know, every weekend or every yeah. week for a few hours. Um, I didn't see him for a couple of years. And then I was, I was in junior high and waiting for the, the public transportation bus, right. you know, one day and, yeah. and a school bus drove by and I hear this pounding on the glass and I look up and it's him no and he's way. like waving and really? signing, I love you. And I was oh. like, he remembers me. <laughs> Yay. That's awesome. But it was, it was in that moment of, you know, when he was sitting there teaching me and we were talking and being able to talk with somebody that that was his form of communication and learning how to do that. Yeah. I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. You really want to be able to communicate on a different level. So that led to what? Did you so take that classes? Led, or? Yeah. So I, I went to the community college and took their sign language program. And that's not what I do for a living now. Right. But I have been teaching my kids since they were born how to sign. And, really? And I love it. So we communicate that way sometimes. Do you really? Yep. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and I did work for a while with the state, um, helping deaf clients that needed work. So I would go in and help them get jobs and teach them you right. know, how to kind of do the things that we do. Wow. So did you stay in contact with this kid at all afterwards? Or is that just you saw him and just I happened just saw to... him. That was the yeah. last time I saw him. I wish. I yeah. wish that I had. You know what's cool to think about is that, and this kid doesn't maybe realize this, but the impact he's had on you. Yeah. And like how it changed your life. Even in that moment, it's like, this is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn this to the point where you're even like now teaching it to your own children. But it would be cool if he really understood the impact he had on you in that way. Oh my gosh. I would, I would love to, I would love for him to see. Yeah. And I, and I think the reason why I bring that up is, you know, for the listeners too, I think our words matter, whether we're signing them or if we're speaking them. And we don't know the we don't realize the impact we have on people, good or bad, right? Yeah. So I think it's very important how we speak, the way we speak, how we do it. Like with you and him, you were communicating in a way that 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 only he could understand, and, and that you were learning. But man, what it, what what a way to connect with them, right? And so I just think you know the the impact we have on people is is amazing, and I know that's why that's led to you continue to doing what you're doing now, even. So, yeah, I've even thought about, you know, how could I teach a deaf yoga class? I think that it would be really fun. That it would. would be really challenging. Yeah. Have, have you ever done that? Nope, but I plan on it. Maybe you should be the first one to do that. I, <laughs> I don't know if they ever do that. That'd be really cool. It would be. Yeah. So, so you do this, you learn sign language and you realize, man, I, you love connecting with people. You recognize these kids at an early age that they're just present. They're not thinking ahead. They're not thinking, but they're just one with the horse or whatever they were doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So talk about what what went on from there and what, what did you start doing? Well, that's kind of where, you know, right about end of t year 12, 13 years of age, that's when I started to kind of dabble in things I probably shouldn't have. Okay. Um, such as? Such as drugs. Okay friends that weren't such good influences right. um, and it sucked me in really fast so I I went from you know being with these beautiful people and being able to connect and and be present to going the complete opposite way really fast right um, part of that was 
some stuff that was going on at home. And that the stuff that was going on at home was, you know, my mom was allowing my brother to use and do things at the, in the home that weren't okay. Mm, right. And she was doing them as well. Okay. And then turning around and going, don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. Oh, okay. So I... Um, so you had this mixed message in your home, especially from your perspective. Big time, you're yeah. You're watching them do it, and then you're like, well, but don't do it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I got home from school one day, and my brother's like, look at my onion plant. And I looked at this weed plant and I'm like, do you really think I'm that stupid? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I may be 12, but I know what that but you is. you knew what it was, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, as my brother's addiction grew and got worse and worse, so did mine. And So you started, at, you were at 12 years old when you first started kind of dabbling into drugs and alcohol and stuff? Yeah. And that just obviously progressed, you yes. know, so... I, how quickly did it progress? You mentioned it went fast. It did go fast. Um, so that was, you know, my seventh grade year. By mid seventh grade, I was walking around my junior high school with a water bottle full of gin every day. Wow. In seventh That's brilliant. Grade. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but wow. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how fast it went. Did your mom know at the time that, that you were doing this or... Or did you try to hide it from her? Oh, I was really good at hiding it from her. But yeah. I also got her list of all the things she had done and used them as get out of jail free cards. I oh, like, well, you do this too, mom, kind but, of thing. But you've tried this, so mm. why is it wrong for me to try it? Okay. A little bit of manipulation sure, there. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It was, yeah, <laughs> it went quick. Um, You know, and by ninth grade, I was selling drugs for my brother. And mm. I was not going to school and I if I did go to school I was completely high mm -hmm. so you're you, you now that here's the influence again you were kind of talking about with your brother here he is I'm assuming he approached you and said hey you know start selling these for for me kind of thing and you were like okay no big deal or, yeah. or did you feel like this is just what I do now well I didn't you know I was excited because then I was like sweet free drugs mm -hmm. which is awful um but that was the mentality yeah at the time that's what you mm -hmm. were thinking yeah and and it went you know i got into ecstasy was my favorite thing in the world and mm -hmm. i didn't care what it was cut with um i had no idea yeah explain ecstasy to our listeners if they don't know what that is exactly and well i'm not quite sure what's in it Exactly. Right. right. Um, it, it was a pill form and I would take it and I would just, everything, my senses were enhanced. It felt amazing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would just get really hyper and excited, which would probably, you know, mean it was cut with meth. Right. Or, you know, there were some times where I just wanted to just lay down and just mm -hmm. feel the sensations of a fuzzy blanket or, you know, outside in the sunshine or whatever right and it just enhanced everything and made me forget everything else that was how young on. were you when you first tried ecstasy i was 14 or 15 14 so yeah i mean that's you're right when you say fast that's fast i mean you start at 12 you're drinking a lot a lot a lot and to get into ecstasy that young so now you're getting into these hardcore drugs at such a young age and with a young mind and a young, you know, d un underdeveloped, you know, brain and central nervous system, 
you know, as a kid, yeah, you're like, wow, look what this is doing. And no wonder you're kind of like, I, you know, this is what I want to keep doing. Yeah. So talk about that. That led to where as you continue this. So that led into pain pills. Um, I did love those too. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I got to the point where I just did what I had to do to get, to get my, my drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I was selling, so that helped. Right. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't remember a lot of that period of my life. I don't remember, you know, I don't remember a lot of my high school years. Um, I just, I didn't care who I lied to. I didn't care what I had to do aside from my close circle of friends. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I didn't care about anybody else but me. But you. Yeah. And that's pretty typical someone who gets, you know, involved in probably at this point, you're probably addicted on, uh, on, and it now does become all about you become very selfish because you got to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Um, did you find yourself, you know, sad or depressed going through all this as, as time went on, you know, or did you just still kind of have this party mentality? Like everything's great. I was so checked out. Mm -hmm. There was, so I talk about presence when I was younger, right? There was none of that. Mm. It was, I got to get high. And if I don't have anything to get high with, I'm going to figure that out. Right. And there wasn't any, there was no living from the heart at all. That, that was shut down. Right. So I, I just, I was checked out and there was no emotion whatsoever. So what did that, you know, what did that lead to? You're now in high school, getting close to maybe supposed to being done with high school. Well, I was really good at like skirting through because mm-hmm. I, I maintained like a good enough that I could kind of just get by get, by, get right. my credits. Okay. Um, because that was one thing I was like, I am going to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2000, uh, November 3rd, I had been not feeling very well. So I was like, I need to go to the doctor. Right. So I went to the doctor and she's like, oh, guess what? You're pregnant. And I about died. Wow. Um, So November 3rd, 2000, I was like, oh, shoot. I have this life growing inside of me. I'm an addict. I'm in high school. Yeah. What the hell am I going to do? Right. And it took me about 30 seconds to go, well, I know I can't keep doing what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And so it was from that moment that I was like, okay, something's got to change. And I was with my son's dad, so he continued to use even though I didn't. Okay. Um, and that was really hard. Oh, I can't even imagine. I didn't yeah. realize that. I thought I was just, you know, it was morning sickness and the withdrawals were brutal. You know, it wasn't until after I had my son that I realized that the feeling that I was feeling while I was pregnant with him was not just morning sickness. Right. You're withdrawing. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Detoxing. Mm -hmm. Wow. And obviously you weren't detoxing with, you know, medical assistance. You're just doing it. Yeah. Which, which is dangerous. It is so dangerous. I <laughs> right? do not recommend it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so you find out you're pregnant and that almost end up, it was almost like a wake up call. It sounds like, like, what am I doing? 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was like this rocky foundation of drugs and parties and friends that I had created for myself. It was like all of that crumbled out from underneath me and the universe went, hey, this isn't working. Right. Wake up. Wow. So, yeah. So you go through. Beginning. Yeah, it was the beginning. <laughs> so you go through these withdrawals and de- you're detoxing. You're pregnant at the same time, going through all of this. And a senior in high school. And a senior in high school. Yeah, I can't even imagine. So, where what was your emotional state at this time? Oh, I was a wreck. Mm-hmm. I was a wreck. Um, my my mom was as supportive as she could be, and right. my my sister was there for me but really in that situation you have yourself and I didn't know how to reach out because I had never done that right I had built my life on lies and secrecy and that wasn't what I knew yeah so I I did graduate with a 4.0 that year wow and I was working three jobs and pregnant because I was like, I am not going to give this child a hard life. I'm going to do this right. That is amazing. If you, you know, when I think about that, and I love that you had such a firm, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow this child to suffer because of my poor, selfish choices, almost right. Yeah. And I mean, but that doesn't. That's not very common, actually. No. You know, because I, you know, I'm in this business, you know, this recovery business, and and I, I mean, I know a lot of women who get pregnant and unfortunately continue to use and blow up their lives, and you know, and, and yeah, and it causes a lot of heartache and pain for the child, the unborn child, you know. So for you to make that decision, where do you think that came from? Because that's again, I think it's pretty rare. Well, that was one of those. You know, those moments that rock your world, Mm -hmm. those moments that bring you to your knees. It was one of those moments where this is another life. This is another, another human being. Am I going to continue to walk all over and hurt the people? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to shift that and, and step up and, come home to myself right you know as scared as I was because I'm not gonna lie I was freaking out oh I can't even imagine um and shortly before I found out I was pregnant I started working for Genesis Books about I want to say six months before that okay so Genesis Books is a recovery bookstore right I had no idea what I was doing I just my mom knew this lady and (laughs) she needed help really right so I start working at this recovery bookstore didn't know I was using for the first six months that I was there and the owner um she passed away in 2016 but she was my earth angel right and she looked at me one day and I didn't know her right so yeah and I was still in my addiction she looked at me and she goes if you're not careful you're gonna end up just like me and I looked at her and in my head I'm like who the hell does this lady think she is <laughs> right. like don't yeah. talk to me that way i'm yeah. some 17 year old i know it all you know or 18 however old right. i was yeah well come to find out she had her daughter when she was 18 
And she was doing the same thing I was doing. Okay. It may not have been the drugs, but she was. Right. And she knew when she saw the pattern. She could read through it, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. But I'm still with the bookstore. I still do that work. And when I found recovery, it was because of her too. And right. her husband, Al. Um, and I just, I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am for those two people in my life because without them in my early recovery, I don't know that I would have been as successful as I am or have been. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a tender mercy that your mom just happened to have a friend that needed someone to help with some work at a bookstore. Right. (laughs) Right. And she's, uh, Mary Ellen is the owner's name and, um, you know, we adopted each other. She's my second mom, my chosen yeah, mom. Yeah. And Al is my chosen dad. Right. And like I said, Earth Angels. And you're still there. I mean, that's been, what, 18 years now? Yeah, I'm still there. I run it. It's <laughs> um, amazing. I run it with Al. And yeah, we just, we're a space of service. Yeah. What I love, and I want to hear more about this, but what, I, what I'm hearing from you and what I've noticed from you listening to your story already is that when you put your mind to something, you do it. Yeah, I'm kind of stubborn that way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of, and I see this in a lot of, and you probably do too, you know, people who struggle with addiction, you know, I myself, same thing. We, we kind of get this kind of all or nothing, mm-hmm. right? Which can be a bad thing, yes. but if we shift it into something good and we're all in something good, it's a good thing. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the feeling I'm getting from you. It's like, man, you make up your mind. And it's like, I mean, here you are detoxing, senior, pregnant, going through withdrawals, really difficult, thinking, what do I do? You know, and, but, you, but you did some amazing things at that age. You made the decision you weren't going to harm this baby. I mean, that to me, you know, I, I'm really big on the power of choice. I think it's the greatest gift we have. I really do. And to hear you making these difficult, difficult choices at such a young age, it just blows my mind because it would have been easy to escape. I'm pregnant, senior. This is too much. I'm going to keep using because I might as well just try to escape from all this. And then you were working three jobs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then you get a four zero. I'm just really impressed by, um, and I wanted to point that out to our listeners that the power of the choices you were making at such a young age and how that shaped everything. Yeah. I mean, truly, you know, and then you get this job at Genesis Books and uh, here you are still running it. <laughs> that just blows my mind. I love it. Um, you so, know, I get meetings across the counter daily. Oh, I can imagine. So again, I know it's like a, it's sort of like a recovery bookstore, but can you give us a little more detail around what Genesis Books is? Yeah. Is that- yeah. So my mom started, my second mom, I'm going to call her my mom. Sure. So she okay. started it about 35 years ago out of the trunk of her car and within a year needed a space to have her store just by being involved in the program and the different programs. Mm -hmm. And um, so her and my dad got it going and have been doing it ever since, but it was set up as a space of service. Okay. So it's, it's not a space to you know, raking all of this money. It's a space so that we can be there for people who need it. Mm -hmm. So to get your celebration gifts for your recovery milestones or 
you know, to come in when you don't know where else to go and get resources or literature. Right. Um, and we just, we pride ourselves in holding a space for people that can come in and go, yeah, I need help. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's so neat. And thanks for sharing that part of it. Um, so you, you've been doing that for 18 years. You know, obviously you get clean from the time you get pregnant mm -hmm. and you go through hell to do that. So talk about where did, you know, you're very passionate about yoga and kind of the Buddha philosophy and being present and enlightenment and those type of things. Talk about that and where did that come from and, you know, how did that get all started? Okay. <laughs> Let's do Here we this. go. Buckle up. People. Yeah, buckle up. <laughs> um, so I had my son in 2001. Okay. Um, and of course, I did not stay with his dad because he continued to use. Mm -hmm. um, in Real quick, another amazing decision. Yes. Hard decision, but wow, good necessary. for you. Necessary. Right, necessary. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So in December of 2003, my sister and I are the best of friends. We are super close. And so in December 2003, my mom had sent her to live with my dad because she was a hard teenager. And he lived in Washington, and they were visiting for Christmas. And when they were leaving to drive home, the car, they were in Boise, mm -hmm. and the car hit black ice mm -hmm. and threw her out of the back of the van and um, paralyzed her from the waist down. Oh, wow. So I go from, like, seeing my sister one night to by 6 a.m., planning on getting on a flight to fly to Boise because my sister's been paralyzed in a car accident. Wow. Talk about another one of those situations that brings you to your knees. Sure, um, sure, yeah. And so I, I went up there and that was the big eye-opener, like, to how fragile life is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I noticed throughout my, my years, I... <clears throat> We get stuck in that circular thinking, you know, get sucked into the BS radio right. that plays in the mind sometimes. Sure, and, yeah. And it's moments yeah. like seeing my sister that really opened my eyes to going, what are you living for? What are you doing? Yeah. Are you grateful for every second that you have? So that's the first step, you know. And then when they finally, when she was finally stable enough to come back to Utah, she came down here and did her recovery here at the hospital so I could go see her every day and watching her she was 17 years old watching her and being a part of that really opened my eyes to just how fragile life is right um so that was 2003 in September of 2005 my brother died from a drug overdose oh wow another one of those moments yeah um this one rocked my world harder than anything to the point where I went into this deep depression. Really? And didn't even realize I was there. You know, and I, I understand why this would be a really difficult thing. Was part of the reason why it hit so hard that, because you were kind of living that same lifestyle until you got pregnant kind of thing. I don't know if that played a part in why this was so difficult because you knew that maybe, you know, you kind of changed your life, but your brother hadn't. I don't know. Yeah, I think... It made it more difficult because he had been trying to stop using. Okay, right. Um, but he had been trying to do it on his own. And what 
you know, with the pain pills that he was using, that's not something you can do on your own. So it triggered a seizure and it triggered some other stuff. And so he didn't do anything. He was being tapered off by the doctors for three weeks. And then Mm. he was like, oh, I'm good. I can take what I was taking before. And it killed him. Mm, Wow. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's moments like that where in the t- at the time, it's like your world stops. Right. And you're just going, why did this have to happen? And then, you know, years down the road, you're going, oh, that's why that had to happen. Yeah, you see, yeah, you start to see what this was all about. And yeah, you start to understand. But you don't know it in the moment, obviously. Yeah. You're thinking, what is going on here? Yeah, why? Why? So you were hitting with some really tragic events there, kind of back to back there. So, and you went in, you went in, you said you went into this dark depression. Talk about that. Yeah, I just, I didn't find joy in anything. I didn't, I mean, I was doing things with my kids all the time. And yet at the same time, I didn't have any fun with them. I was so unhappy Mm -hmm. and so stuck in my head and I mean, we could be at the beach and I would be so stuck in my head that I would only see like, oh my gosh, there's mud on my feet or look at all of these dead things. And it wasn't like, look at this beautiful ocean and this sunny sky and my beautiful children and their lives and their breathing and their heartbeats. It was only stuff that didn't really matter. Right. Um, So... My sister-in-law at the time came over, I think it was like 2008, and she was like, I really want to do yoga, but I don't have anybody to do yoga with, and I think you'd like it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, you know, shoulder shrug, okay, bring over a CD, we'll do some yoga. We'll try it, yeah. I fell in love with it. Like, immediately, just the breath work and the getting in my body yeah. and the feeling like... Oh, I'm out of my head. And then yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm back in my head. Oh no, I got to get back in my body, you know? So this, so this you disconnect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, um, That's awesome. yeah. So 2008, I started doing yoga with my sister-in-law in my basement and it took off from there. So I just, I practiced at home for a long time. Right. And then finally my kids were old enough to where I was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to become a yoga instructor because what I want is I want to be able to create a space for people to come back to themselves. Right. You know, we have all of this stuff, this day-to-day quote-unquote adult stuff. (laughs) Right. And I want to (laughs) show them how to come home. Yeah. So my intention going into my teacher training is I want to have a studio. I want to teach teachers. And this is the beginning. So the very first class, so I started January of 14. Okay. So I had been practicing alone at home for a while or with my sister-in-law. Right. And I get there and I sit down and we start (laughs) doing the work. Uh And I'm like, holy. (laughs) Everything that I thought I had knew had known or learned Mm -hmm. about yoga in that moment I had to throw out the window and it was like blank slate start over because whether I was holding a pose or Mm -hmm. doing the breath work I wasn't doing it right okay and I didn't know that so 
getting into this space where everything I thought that I knew and I was like, oh yeah, I got this. Yeah, this is I've awesome. I've been doing it forever. No, I yeah. didn't know anything. So I got to wipe this slate clean and start with this beautiful blank canvas and, yeah. and paint my journey and relearn my body yeah. and relearn my samskara or patterns and behaviors that we've created and why. Okay. Um, so samskara is huge for me. I, when we begin to really pay attention to the patterns and behaviors and mental thought patterns that we have, Mm-hmm. We can begin to really pay attention to whether it's serving us or not. Right. And if the answer is no, what are you going to do to change it? Yeah. So I just, I love it so much. <laughs> I know. I You light up every time we bring it up. And uh, I think that's wonderful. I want to go back. So when you when you discovered this with is your sister-in-law, is that mm-hmm. you said? Um, you noticed this feeling like, you know, you got out of your head and into your body you know, basically not thinking, just being present, right? Is that, did you notice like with the depression that you had been struggling with, how that was like, this is the answer to that almost at the time? Maybe not so much this is the answer to that, but more like realizing how stuck in my head I was. Yeah. Because when I actually got on that yoga mat and started to move my body, I was like, I haven't felt my elbow in like 10 years. (laughs) what is going on you know (laughs) yeah what is this (laughs) feeling how my feet stand on the floor and i'm like when was the last time i did this yeah if ever right (laughs) yeah Yeah. like i haven't ever really been present in my body enough to like notice that and as the more i did it the more i really just loved being able to get out of my head and into my body and and notice where there's tension in my body. And and I say that, but it's, you know, I've been practicing yoga for a long time, even after I wiped that slate clean. Right. Um, okay. it's, it's always a space of curiosity and discovery for me, getting uh, on my mat and, yeah. and getting into my body and going, oh, well, I'm tight here. What have I been doing? Or right. how has my posture been? Yeah. And, and I say that, how has my posture been? When was the last time you took a big deep breath and let your shoulders just drop away from your ears? Right. Like how often do we just let that tension build yeah, and, and, and lack the presence to just release that? Just release, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I know, you know, with your certifications, your training and all this now, you use, a, you use this as part of, uh, you call it kind of recovery and trauma-based yoga. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so in the the trauma-based part of it, it's very much so, like if I'm teaching a trauma-aware class, which Mm. most of my classes I'm pretty aware because we all have trauma. Right. (laughs) Um, Just some bigger traumas than others. Yeah. Um, it's, It's being aware of, you know, people's space and, hey, I'm going to walk around the class today, just so you know. If that bothers you, please tell me, because I want to create a safe space in my class where people can, or students can come and really let themselves be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, So I'm teaching, um, I do trauma, trauma therapy, trauma yoga therapy, 
however you want to word it. Um, I go and I do some trainings on that for mental health professionals, just because sometimes some of their patients need to get out of their heads and into their bodies. Yeah. And so I teach them a couple of ways to help their clients do that. Gotcha. That's awesome. That's got to be pretty rewarding, you know, seeing people kind of release that, you know, you, you know, trauma or whatever they had gone through and how this is kind of helping them get through that. Yeah. It's got to be rewarding watching that. It all pulls back to that again, samskara, those stories, you know, how the traumas, no matter how big or small, at what point are you going to, I call it, um, I'll just say let go. At what point are you are you willing to open up that fist and, and right. let go of what you're clamping onto? Yeah. Um, I always say that everything I ever let go of is covered in claw marks. <laughs> right, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good visual. Yeah. I can see that. Holding on is for dear life almost sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And and with trauma and recovery yoga are they're similar in some ways and they're different in some ways. Yeah. Um, the recovery yoga, I noticed it's it's a lot more difficult for addicts and alcoholics to quiet the mind. Yeah. Um, so depending on the students, we're either going to kick ass or we're <laughs> going to stop and we're going to breathe until you can be quiet. Yeah. You know, so it's, there's this huge in between. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed, you know, especially with addicts, how hard it is to just come home and be quiet. Yeah. And be okay in yourself. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's good that you, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, with the clients I work with, it's they're in addiction uh, typically and I, without fail. One of the most common things I hear is I can't get out of my head. I, it just keeps going. I can't sleep. It's just racing. And so it's, it's amazing that there's these opportunities these tools these classes the stuff that you do to help people get through that and so i recommend anyone listening to this right now that who's might might be struggling with that very thing that they can't get out of their head is to to do what you're doing you know and even attend one of your classes right yes come to my class (laughs) yes which we'll 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 mention that here in a minute but uh but no i think that's such a neat thing that you're doing that you're giving back and helping so many people now i love it I really do. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, with building a studio, I just this year have taught enough classes because you have to teach so many hours. Right. I've just taught enough classes that I have my ERYT, which means I can teach teachers. Oh, and I also so cool. got my continuing education certification so I can, I can help teachers get their continuing education credits as oh, well. Oh, right on. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that is so cool. So I know you're you're planning on opening up. We mentioned at the beginning the the Bendy Buddha. The Bendy Buddha. So talk about where 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 you're at with that and what that's all going to entail. And maybe that's you know, like you said, it's this training and stuff. But yeah, it will be. Um, okay. So I want to. My intention with the studio is I want to create a safe space for people to come home to their hearts. Mm. Um, so often we forget how big and beautiful and bright our own lights are. We see everybody else's and we know how much we love other people, but how often do we turn that love onto ourselves or back within ourselves? Yeah. So 
that's kind of the foundation that I'm building my studio okay. from is it's a space of love, a space of grace, um, a space of, it's called bhakti, which is okay. love. Beautifully said. And I love how you said, come home to your heart. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's powerful. Yeah. Well, I feel like there is so much to be explored within the four corners of a yoga mat. Mm-hmm. You know, this space is, it's a space of exploration and curiosity. And let me tell you, I have gone into that scary closet under the stairs mm-hmm. full of cobweb covered right. boxes and monsters. Yeah. And I was so scared to open that door. Yeah. And I was so scared to go into that box in the far corner of myself and go, what is in there? Yeah. It was like poking a monster. Man. And, and it wasn't until I started to do that, that, oh my gosh, I am not going to live in a space of complacency. I am yeah. not going to live from a space of, of the fear of what's in that scary box back there. Right. I'm going to turn on the light and I'm going to go like <laughs> sort through that right. thing. Exactly. Because yeah. staying stuck is, is so much worse. Yeah, for sure. Then exploring what's in that scary thing over there. Yeah. So I say that because when I get on my mat, sometimes stuff comes up for me and I don't like to acknowledge that that's a part of myself. Right. But that's that scary box where I get to go, okay, so this is a part of me. What am I going to do with it? Right. Um. So I just, yoga is so much about exploring every nook and cranny of yourself. Wow. I love that. You know, here at, uh, at Wasatch, where we're at right now, treatment center, yoga is a big part of our program here. I mean, we, the, the clients do yoga every single day. And uh, without fail, you know, like a lot of people come in, oh, I hate yoga. I don't want to do yoga. And then after they're like, this, this is the greatest thing ever. Because <laughs> they experience kind of what you experience. is like, whoa, I actually was able to stop thinking for a minute. Mm-hmm. I, felt, I felt normal. I felt okay. As you would say, coming back home to their heart. I love that. I, that's you, you need a tagline that. Thing. That's amazing. <laughs> Hashtag, that's mine. <laughs> that's <laughs> yours. It's, it's Lindsay's. Come no one can take it. <laughs> um, if, you, if you could give any advice to someone who might be hearing this right now that's maybe struggling or just, you know, whether it's an, an addiction or just depression or, again, just maybe trying to get out of their head, what's some advice you could give anyone listening that might be struggling with those things? Oh, my gosh. Take a deep breath. Actually, take three. Mm -hmm. And with those three breaths, just exhale through your mouth and and let it go. Yeah. You are right where you are meant to be. So I would just say, ask yourself, really check in with your heart after those three breaths and say, am I happy with where I'm at? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, what do you get to do to shift that? And if you don't know, reach out to somebody. Yeah. Reach out to me. Yeah. Well, that's what I want to get to. You know, very beautifully said. Thank you. That's that's great advice. If someone did want to ask you a question or reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, they could reach out to me through my bookstore email. Okay. Do you mind sharing that? Not at all. It's <laughs> it's Genesis Books, the number one at gmail dot com. Okay. That'd be the best way to send a question or yep, just beautiful. You know, on that title line put Lindsay. I'm the only one there that checks the emails, but that okay. just helps me know. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Well, that's awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough, Lindsay, for coming and sharing your story. It's an amazing story. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for you and for what you're doing and giving back to the community and to everyone you come in contact with. You have, a, like I said in the beginning, you have a great energy and light about you. And uh, I'm just so grateful that I've had the opportunity to hear your full story. Thank you so much for having me. Oh. I really appreciate it. Oh, you bet. Um, and I, I do want to just say one last please, thing. Please, please. Um, when I'm closing my classes, when I teach. Oh, I do teach Sunday mornings at 915 at okay. Infusion Yoga in Bountiful. Right, there you go, folks. Show up. Yes, please. It's a power <laughs> class. Okay. So it is hard. I'm not going right. to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so be ready. So be yeah. ready. Yeah. Um, but when I close my classes, I, um, I've set, I've created a, a mantra and if you don't mind. No, please. Um, we'll, we'll end with your mantra. Okay. Okay. So if you just take a deep breath, let it out. The light in you is the truth of who you are and the truth of who you are is beautiful. Namaste. Namaste.